of Rundle who will bring it away. Not out of danger yet though. Cries it for holding the ball. The crowd have just gone off. Dodge back oh, and Dodge Dodge me. Oh, Dodge oh, oh, I think that's Luke Ball. Luke Ball has just... It's the goal of the day. It might even be the goal of the year. It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice! It's Spice! He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left and the big boy kicked the big goal. Yes, welcome to the Eastland Weekend Forecast. Grand final week for Divisions 3 and 4. Prelims for Divisions 1 and 2 and a couple of big semi-final clashes in Premier Division to get to. A fantastic weekend ahead. I'm Ryan Long, media manager at Evenel, and joined by Matt Spider-Lee as usual and sitting in Josh Ward's usual chair. He's um, debuting on the podcast Ooh, on Grand Final on. Week. It's uh, Dylan Smith, a bit of a, a Marlon Pickett type story here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, obviously, sitting alongside yourself and, and Spider here. Uh, you know, it's a bit of uh, EFNL royalty, so um, feeling like a bit of a fraud, but we'll see how we go. No, you'll, be, you'll be fine. Uh, doing great to have you on board, and welcome to the, the Friday uh, forecast family. Great to have you uh, in the in the room, and we're going to get some great insight from you because your stuff's been outstanding across the year. And Ryan, it's uh, that time of the year. It's amazing. Absolutely. Grand final time just comes uh, comes around so, come quickly. Quick. so quickly. I, I just wanted to start the show, if I may, um, it's just over the last few days been brought to my attention and we should note that as a part of the Eastern Football Netball League media team that we should pass on our uh, condolences to uh, the family, the young family. Bob Young was the a former president of uh, East Burwood Football and Netball Club in the 90s, uh, Ryan. Yep. He was the, the vice president from 1995 and he was the president in 1996-97 but Bob's contribution to the Eastern Football Netball League was probably more significant in terms of the the media team. He joined the media team after his time at East Burwood uh, on the committee, and he played a really big part of uh, the transformation of the way that the media team uh, started and operated because at that time we had guys like uh, Justin Nelson running the, the media uh, manager's chair, the one you're sitting in, and then we had Anthony Stangert who, who followed after that. And Bob was a part of the uh, the AFL footy show that was on uh, Channel 31 uh, back in the day and did some commentary on games, covered some memorable grand finals uh, at uh, Waverley Park, the 2001 Eastbourne versus Vermont. I remember his call from that game, but also the East Ringwood and East Burwood game back in 2002. They're just a, a couple uh, that come to mind, but he called a number of great games, home and away games over the years, and was a big part of the radio coverage uh, over a long period of time, So, and Bob passed away uh, throughout the week, so we just want to uh, pass on our condolences to his family and friends, and everyone here at the Eastern Football Netball League. Uh, uh, we just want to thank him for his uh, contribution that he did make to uh, our competition and the league, especially from the media team, because he he was uh, absolutely fantastic. The way he used to, you know, provide the great uh, colourful commentary, uh, his insight, but also uh, you know just be a, a great person around the community uh, and the way that he contributed. So uh, we wanted to uh, to salute him and uh, may he rest in peace. He was a a great person who uh, will be sadly missed by so many. Thanks to touching on the spiders. So we do wish our, uh, we do send our thoughts to his family at this current time. And per person, and the thing is, he contributed not only at club level but also at at, at the league here, and it's uh, and it should be recognised that because the media team plays an important part. You know, 
it's on a voluntary basis that we do this. And Bob wanted, you know, loved his footy. Uh, he always loved going out, calling the games. He called it as he saw it. Uh, he had great insight into the games, gave the colourful commentary. And uh, I know he uh, always listened in to uh, all the games still uh, in more recent times. Uh, I love the streaming, love the new formats of uh, the media team. I spoke to him uh, a couple of years ago and uh, he was always uh, you know, very forthright but he enjoyed uh, the continued uh, you know, tr- you know, transformation of the media team So, uh, but we do uh, thank him for his contribution over a long period of time. Yeah, a fantastic legacy, um, certainly right there. So uh, thanks for that Spider. Let's uh, jump into it. We'll um, touch on Premier Division first and we're going to talk about the semi-final that's happening out at Bayswater Oval tomorrow afternoon. Between Vermont and Roval, it's 1v2. So, obviously, they had the bye last week, both sides. Coming into this game, Arnett and Minchin come in for the Eagles. As a Roval, they've made quite a few changes. Uh, a couple of notable outs. Uh, Arundel out, as we were talking off-air. Spiders, spiders a, a big loss. So they bring in though, uh, both McDonald's, Young, Lockie Wine, Flakemore, Hall, Cooper McDonald as well. So, I mean, they've really been able to bring um, some good players back in from that uh, last game against Doncaster where I'm assuming maybe a couple of those were being rested, but Cooper McDonald's been out for a while. So some really strong ins for them. Spider, I'll I'll send this to you first. Um, What's your thoughts on this game? Because we were there earlier this season on the Sunday where the two sides matched up and it was really that second quarter and Kelkowski got off the chain, had about five touches and about five goals in that second quarter and uh, really broke the game open. But... um, where do you see this one going for a uh, first semi-final and a spot in the grand final? Yeah, the traditional second semi-spot and the winner earns a right straight into the grand final. Look, this... Uh on a big ground out of Bayswater, certainly going to be a very interesting clash. I think the midfield battle is this going to be the one where it's all decided. I mean, coming up against a very strong midfield, Vermont are going very nicely. Guys like, you know, Lockie Johns, Arnott playing some terrific footy at the moment. I think Alex Greenwood's been in just absolutely sensational form and would have to be one of the favourites. Uh, you know, at, when we count the votes for the Chandler medal, you would think he's just been very consistent right throughout the course of the season. Uh, when you look at some of the, the ways that Vermont have played, you know, guys like Fitzpatrick who have just been in outstanding form, uh, their ball movement has been really important in their revival. Let's be totally truthful about they've invented different ways to play. They've been very creative. Uh, it's been a little bit of unpredictability from them and that's what's seen them uh, turn their season around from the disastrous start which it was. They've got a very reliable defence so the challenge is going to be there up against a forward line that, that can and has uh, scored very freely in more recent times. Uh, I think where they probably have the upper hand, Vermont, is probably in the ruck. And we know the, the loss of shoal markers um, in that game that we saw on that Sunday afternoon out at Vermont because that was probably where they you, you would have felt, you know, had they had the Ruckman, you know, the key Ruckman going into this final series and not had to move players into that position on a you know rotation basis, then that, that was would certainly put them under a little bit more pressure. But Vermont, they do have the factors where they have been. They've, at times they've played Hawkins there. Obviously, uh, you know, Nielsen's been you know, terrific there. You know, 
you know, we know that, you know, if Robbie Ross does play in that team, he has the, the, the capabilities of playing. Obviously, uh, I'm not sure, no, Robbie Ross hasn't been named in in this game, but uh, I think what you look at from me is that they just have tremendous flexibility around around the ball and the the way, the way that this team has come together in probably the last 10 to 12 weeks. They, yes, there's been a few changes, but uh, they've been able to play the bulk of that team has played together now for the majority of the second yeah. half of the year and there hasn't been a lot of changes like week after week. No, that, There's that only hasn't. been sort of one out, one in, maybe two at the most where we're seeing with Rover and a couple of the other sides, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players on a week-to-week basis coming in and out of the team. So I don't think the continuity has been there where Vermont have a lot of continuity and I think they've really worked on that. They haven't really had any uh, you know, destabilisation of that team. So I think they'll have the challenges. I think their forward line set up Vermont. They, they're they playing a little bit more unpredictable. It's not the old uh, kick it in long and, and wait for the tools to get there. We know what Kalkowski can do. He's just so creative and elusive. If he gets off the chain and pushes up the ground, he just can get on the end of it and he can be very entertaining to watch. So for me, I, th- I think this is going to be a very hard Harley forward game. Really looking forward to, to what both sides can provide. It's going to come down to whether Roval really do have a plan B. If game A is not working and it's not working through the midfield and, they, and they're struggling to, to shut down this Vermont engine room, then what can they do? And we know that um, you, know, you know the Vermont bat's so deep, you know, Fitzpatrick's been so good, um, you know, other guys have really stepped up as, as the season's gone on, but Roval, they're really going to need to be on song right from the opening bounce, we know, uh, Dylan uh, Martini has been in good form in recent times, come back into the team, he's kicked some goals on a big open space as a Bayswater, he'll be I think he'll be better for that, I think that those sort of grounds will suit him when he's got the ball in hand, we know that you know, Flake Moore's a good player. We know McDon- the McDon- McDonald, Brolic. Cooper, Cooper ser- McDonald, I think, is one of the, the big inclusions. And yeah. obviously, Dylan, he's been out. I think, was it that? I can't remember. It was that Vermont game. It was, it was the week after against East Ringwood that I think he did his, his shoulder or, or something on those lines. And um, to have him back, that's that's massive for them because he's been really important over the last couple of years and um, as well as some of their other inclusions. It, it is huge there. And, and I think Spider touched on it there, just saying that the problem for Rover is going to be that plan B. Both these sides, are they're so aggressive with ball in hand. They're both the best, clearly the best two offensive sides mm. in the comp. Vermont, they're the first for creating inside 50s and the second best for scoring once the ball's in there. Roeville are the second best for creating inside 50s and the best for when the ball's in there. So they've both got really fluid, well-working forward lines. I think the thing where Vermont have the upper hand is, though, just defensively. like They only yep. concede 39 inside 50s a game where you look at Roeville and they're more up around the 45, 46 number. So they're ranked around seventh in the comp for that. So I think Vermont's ability to get those high half forwards up and even when they lose the clearance, they defend really well using those high half forwards. And I just think their overall system against Roeville, who probably rely a little bit on those sort of match-winning players. I think Vermont are going to have the upper hand on them. Yeah, Banfield's been very good, you know, like he knows how to play. I think the, that's the thing. They're, we've always said it during the year. They're not. I don't think they're the best defence, but they're, most, they're the most reliable, and I think that's what wins premierships. If you're the most reliable defence and you rely on each other and you play to that strength... That's what can win you a premiership. And with, with Roval, it just seems to me at the moment that with that defensive comment that you make there, Dylan, 
that they you know they're only ranked in that sixth or seventh position defensively, so it's, it doesn't feel sound enough for me and confident enough to know that when the ball's coming in to fifty, the way that Vermont like to enter that forward line, that they're going to have a they've got to have their system absolutely in place and it's got to be as solid as glue and I'm just not sure that they have that system in place and they're going to be able to contain this Eagles machine that just they get repeat entries and they score and, and when they yeah. score they really put it on the board and they can score very quickly as we both, saw in that yeah, game both sides can can definitely score quickly and we've yeah. seen that with Roval as well then as, as you both touch on, defensively, I think besides that game against East Ringwood, which is now an anomaly earlier in the season where they uh, lost by 91 points, and I think they scored 160 on them, East Ringwood. Besides that, I don't think any other side has kicked more than 10 or 11 goals in a game against Vermont. So most of the sides average that sort of that 5 to 10. Well, it's been around about the seven to, uh, six or seven goals, really, when which you think really of it. Which is really impressive. It is. Well, and and it, comes, it comes from those, again, I said they're, they're the second best side at um, restricting inside 50. So 39 a game. You're not giving your, your opposition much of a look. And they're the best side at defending turnover, which is obviously your, your biggest score source for the opposition. So... That means that as well as like when they actually lose the ball and they have to quickly defend that reaction and then finding your man and locating, they're, they're the best team in the comp at doing that. And I think that comes down to Adam Parker and what he's been able to you know, get these players to do in such a short amount of time. And yeah. Hawkins has been very good, Ryan. Jenkins mm. has been really good. Nielsen's been really good when, when they've... So they, they can move the magnets around. I just don't think they have the flexibility enough, Roval, in the talls to be able to do that. I mean, if Lockie Wine has to go into the ruck, he's a player that you need kicking the goals. And if he's out doing ruck work up the middle of the ground, that just takes away you know, one of your best assets, and that's your best goal kicker. So I will say, though, I mean, because obviously since Show and Makers come out, they've still been able to score quite big on multiple occasions with Wine not even being on the um, being in the side, being um, or where he's kicked one or two goals, and they've still managed to, to hit the hundred point mark. So I think they can still score without him. Um, it's just going to be. You know, the, the problem is going, the, the, other, going the other way, yeah. though, isn't it? Whether yeah. they can, whether they can stop the opposition from scoring, because they might kick twelve or thirteen goals and still lose the game. Yeah, and it's a right. flexibility to be able to move the whole part of the ground, and I'm, and I, I would prefer to have Lockie playing up forward on the receiving end of passes and kicking goals than having him as that full time, mm. you know, ruck. I, I just think oh, that yeah, that's, the, that's the big problem. Well. He's pinch hitting, and that's it. That's not his. I don't think that's his go. I think he need, and that's unfortunate. They just haven't got the, that luxury of got those other players. Whereas Vermont, they can move the the tools around and if, if something's not working they can move Hawkins in, they can move Jenkins in, they can have Nielsen you know, push up the ground. They can do a lot of different things within their lineup to get the combinations working and if the team doesn't you know, if, if things aren't exactly going to plan, they can swing things around a little bit. I think that's so been a great flexibility. So you're sticking with Vermont? Yeah, on Ver- Vermont for me. I think this will be around about the four or five goal margin. What I will preface on saying though boys is that just because you you win the second semi or you lose the second semi, that doesn't ultimately mean that you win or lose the grand final. So if no, Rover lose, the, so if Rover lose uh, the second semi, they still are well and truly in this finals campaign. You go back to the prelim, you win your way through, 
you still can win it the other end. And the same for Vermont. But it's going to come down to the big moments tomorrow on the big ground. And I just think that when the big moment needs to be won, I think Vermont on the big open spaces of Bayswater, I think it will suit their style of play, the way they move the ball, and I think they'll be able to get, get over the line. Yep. It, it is a bit of a free hit, though, isn't it? It for, is a free hit, absolutely. Both, both sides. They get really protected in those top two positions. Yeah, I've got to go with Vermont. Like I said, just that defensive profile, I think it's a lot better. I will say, though, there's one area of the game I think Roeville can get on top of Vermont, and that's at the clearance. I know yeah. Vermont have got some really good bodies around there. You know, Lockie Johns is having a fantastic year. He's going to be really good in there. But they are ranked 8th or ninth, I think, in the, the league in clearance, Vermont. So that might be an area where Roeville can exploit. And if they can get some quick entries in and Wind is playing forward, I, I think they can do well. But I'm going to go Vermont by three goals. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Vermont, yeah, probably similar margin, two or three goals. But, I mean, as you said, it's a semi-final. Winner goes through to a grand final, but the loser isn't out. So we saw what happened with Noble Park last week. And it's just good that we get another matchup between these two sides who could be your grand finalists. Because I think last year with Noble Park Roval, they, they played twice in the season. These two have only met once. So just the second time they're meeting. We'll find out a bit more about that tomorrow afternoon. That game out of Bayswater Oval. And then on the Sunday in Premier Division, Baldwin take on Doncaster East. Now, these two sides, a bit of a, a nice little rivalry over the last couple of years. And they meet in another final. Baldwin bring in Wheaton for Gottliebson this weekend. As for Doncaster East, they've made a few changes as well. Taylor Dooman out, Waddle out. So there's a couple of couple of big outs. Um, Varigianis comes in. Um, Lowther comes in. I was a bit surprised that they won by the margin they did last week. I wouldn't have been surprised if you had told me that they knocked off East Ringwood, but that was a game that controlled by four quarters. And same with Baldwin, Dylan. They uh, don't, uh, this is the one we probably expected, um, margin or not. Uh, the way they started that game, red hot, on fire, dominated the clearances. Um, Urban, another big game, had a lot of help from Cross and Smith. And um, they've as we talked about midfielders in the two uh, top teams, Baldwin's midfield is just as good. And I think they're, I don't know if you put them on equal pegging with uh, the top two, but um, they've got to do it the hard way, winning it all the way through. But I think they are just as good of a side. I, I think they're the, the, the clear third best side in this Premier Division at the moment. I think you look at East Ringwood against Doncaster East last week, and, and that just suited Doncaster East down to a T. They like to play that heavy clearance game it's um, Swiss Bolek you know getting it down to the mids the quick entry into Farmer and that just sort of played right into Doncaster East hands you know they like to use those intercept defenders like a Simon White like a, a Talon Dooman you just mentioned Dooman's actually going to be missing this game yes he's out so that's a that's a big out for their their defence structurally and I, I just think the way that Baldwin they, they smash you around the ball like their contested possession work is amazing and you know that, that includes stuff like ground balls as well at the clearance they're going to get it out there, and then they flick that handball around. They're one of the highest handball teams in the comp as well, so they, they flick that out, and then they get those really advantageous entries into Ford 50. And, and then suddenly those defenders who are intercepting everything against East Ringwood, I think they get a little bit lost on their man when the entries are coming in. They can hit up that short target, and you know we know Baldwin have got so many crafty forwards down there, the likes of Charlie Haley and, and Jeff Goebbels and those sorts of players. So I think this is a, a completely different test for, for Doncaster East, and Unless they can stop some of that midfield dominance that we saw in, um, I think it was round 17 or round 18 when we did the match of the day where these two played, if, if they can't stop the ball coming out of that midfield, um, they're going to have a, a really dirty day again, I think, Doncaster East. Yeah, and I saw 
Doncaster East firsthand last week. And it was exactly some of the comments that you just mentioned, Dylan. And I thought, you know, their intercept marking was really important. Dooman was uh, terrific. Simon White was really good. And they did get the ball out of the middle. Uh, East Ringwood just at times, they just couldn't get any momentum in the game. They just looked uh, like they'd hit a bit of a brick wall, to be honest. And I, I think it has been, you know, and as we always talk about, the ladder just doesn't lie. I mean, they, they put in a tremendous amount of work and they, they just finished it where they should have uh, um, East Ringwood. But Doncaster has got to give them the full credit. They they worked the ball around the ground through the corridor last week and they just put uh, the Ruse defence under so much pressure and they just kept getting those repeat entries and kept getting them the score on the bottom and the game was basically over at half time just because of the uh, the way that they just dominated possession of the ball uh, they rebounded so well used the ball linked up transitioned the ball this is going to be a different test for them because they're coming up against as you mentioned a team that loves to handball their contested ball has been has been first class in in recent times and they got they're playing against a team that's probably got stronger bodies they, and look and it's going to be a bigger test for their midfield you know guys like Phil and Appleby etc uh, DeLuca you know, they're coming up against some very good um, you know, A-grade, you know, quality players in the, that, that midfield. You know, Bowen Smith's playing terrific. Alex Urban was probably the best on the ground last week, and he's also up there in high calculations for Chandler medal, you would think. Uh, but then you look at down their forward line. They just had answers everywhere against Blackburn, and, you know, the defensive part of Blackburn just couldn't hold. And I just, once again, I think from Doncaster East's point of view, I think they're going to really struggle to match up against that forward line. And then when you look at the way the ball would structure up from behind the ball, I mean, there's not too many sides that have as good a defence as them. I mean, led their, by Pendlebury as well. Their back six is the best in the league at... Yep. They, actually, they actually let in quite a few entries. So the, the mids at times can be a bit poor defensively and they let in the entries, but their bas- back six are the, the best defending those entries. So... That's as you said. That's going to be a big problem for Doncaster East. Yeah, and no, they're going to have to be very precise the way that ball comes in, and and even last week against East Ringwood, it didn't. At times, the ball went in easily, but. East Ringwood's defence was never going to be able to stop it because, you know, they were they were just not fundamentally, you know, placed in the system. Whereas I think Bourne will be a better set up. They'll be they'll be a lot more they're a lot more experienced. They know where their starting points are. They they know where the exits are, and they'll be really you know, zoned in on what to do. And I think on the big ground out of Jubilee Park, it'll really suit the way that Bourne will, will want to play the game. And I think if they can get out wide. You know, transition the ball and then back through the corridor with the, you know, with all those you know great midfielders that they've got you know and get uh, you know their forwards get their hand on the ball you, know, and you get guys like Lyle you know Walker you know <laughs> and Charlie as well you know getting their you know, you know putting their expression on the game and, and imprimatur on it I, I think you got to say the ball one of them you know is is probably the team uh, in this game is there a consistency within games that can concern them at all because you looked at even on Saturday their first First quarter was as good as any, and then the second quarter they let Blackburn in a little bit. But I mean, obviously their margin was was too big that it was never going to uh, lose. But they did it against Doncaster East as well when we saw them had that massive first quarter. But after that, they were pretty um, lacklustre. Are they shutting? Just putting the cue in the rack when they 
I, I think done so. I'm, I'm not as worried about the, the fades in quarters, but I'm a little bit worried at times with their offensive potency. Like, they've had a few games this year where they've kicked like three, mm. four, and five goals, and one of them was actually against Doncaster East. Yeah, early in the year. Early away from home. So, I, I although they have those really crafty forwards, and you'd think that they'd be some of the most potent forwards in the competition, they actually aren't that good at converting their entries. But what they do do is they create so much opportunity, they just smother the team. And on what Spider was saying about Doncaster East's transition game, ball, we're not going to let them do that because it's, yeah. it's not going to give them the ball. Yeah, and the other thing too was the last week at times, you know, Doncaster East, you know, they did have a little bit of a period in the game where they even turned off the lights and uh, you thought that they'd probably even gone home and put their cue in the rack. So, because, you know, that game was, you know, soon, soon to be over and at least, we, yeah, they got a couple of, you know, consecutive goals and, you know, everyone thought, oh, maybe there's a little bit there's of hope. Never, but there's never going to be a Premier Division game, though, where at, there's a correct. time in the game where both sides aren't going to be playing their game and, and getting on top. No, exactly. And I think in the conditions that were presented. So I think it's got to be a more precise game from Doncaster East. And they have got games where they have been a little bit messy and things, you know, with from the intensity level. So they're going to have to be really on song right from the opening bounce and take their chances against this ball and team. Because if they don't, then I think they could be put away uh, very early in the piece. And I still think Ball want to win this game by five or six goals. I just think they're a, yeah. a lot more stronger opponent, more physical. Uh, across the board and I just think that they're going to be able to uh, you know, translate that into to scores up forward uh, as we've discussed and I think they'll be able to advance further into this final series into a preliminary final. Yeah, I'm with you. Dill, your tip? Yeah, I'm on ball when... Oh, I wouldn't want to say five or six goals. I'll, I'll go with, with a four-goal margin yep. to, to ball when, yeah, but um, with a little, little asterisk that... Um, some of those Doncaster East mids, I think the 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 Moz is on them. So they, they've really got to come into this game because they got smacked at, at Ball and Busy Park a few weeks ago. So the likes of DeLuca, Phelan, Appleby, they have to have a really big game here. Yeah, they, they certainly do. Yeah, and, and they've got to read the cues too from a guy like uh, Chevy Anderson who they know if he's getting on top, well, watch where the ball's going. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, and that, that and half, he, he didn't even play last he night. He didn't play. No. But these are the... Well, no, what, but watch what he did last week and the dominance. But So if they watch the video of that last week or the, or the vision, they'll see what the pattern of play was and the game style that uh, was set out. So if they're ready for that and have planned accordingly, then they give themselves a chance. And Lockie Waddell out doesn't, doesn't help. And Waddell, that's a, that's a he big played loss. well last week and uh, now that's out of the big, team. Yeah, so, so that's a... That's a um, uh, a real uh, big loss for the Lions. I'm I'm with you on this one. I think Ball went to win by around four goals and then move on to the preliminary final. So a big weekend ahead in Premier Division. Uh, we'll get a, a little bit more aware of what's happening in the final series. Uh, we'll certainly have a, a one of the grand finals locked in by the end of the weekend. And in Division 1, it's preliminary final weekend. So... We'll speak about this one before we go to a bit of a break, but Montrose take on Mitcham for the second time in three weeks. Montrose, the ins here, meant to play, and Bo Ringer come in. Gardel and Schwab out of the side. As to the Tigers, looks like there's been no changes coming off their big win against North Ringwood, where it really was that second quarter where they can eight goals a zip and, and set up a win Um at Tormore Reserve on the Sunday, and they get another crack at Montrose. Now, Dill, this is a very fascinating one because the history is just behind the Demons. Six wins in a row against the Tigers. But if you have a look at all six games, none of them were blowouts, and all six of them, the Tigers 
had multiple chances to win. And that uh, elimination final, or, or sorry, a qualifying final a couple of weeks ago, again, it was that slow start. Let Montrose um, kick four goals nothing in the first quarter. Slowly made their way back as the afternoon progressed and got to extra time, but they just left it too late, and they've done that before. D- is it seventh time luck? Like, I mean, do they finally get them this time, or do you think Montreux? Because they are very evenly matched sides. Like, there's not not a um, a huge difference between the two lists. I think if you beat a team six times, so it's it's beyond a coincidence, isn't Cause it? Because it is it is over. Sorry, just a it is over the three last three years. Just a um, yeah yeah. Yeah, but I think the big reason that Mitchum have struggled, and and we talk about those those starts that they've had, it's just their inability to defend. They're they're one of the best, um, you know, chance creation teams. They create tons of inside fifties. They're the best side at clearance. They're the best side at scoring from clearance. But Montrose just play massively to their strengths more than anyone else in this division. I think they're they're not amazing from that clearance area, and they don't try to be. They haven't got a, a really dominant ruckman or anything like that, and they just target the turnover game they defend it really well you look at Mitchum with their defensive work and eighth in a 10 team competition at conceding scores per inside 50 so their back six just aren't really operating and you say that's eighth in a 10 team comp that has Lilydale who you sort of you're always going to be ahead of anyway so yeah, that's a concern in it going into probably the biggest game of the year isn't it yeah yeah and that, that that's a, a really damning statistic on on their back six and just the way that Montrose defend those areas of the ground as well. They, they just seem to have a, a better team system than what Mitchum do. And I think Mitchum more just sort of rely on their, their star players to try to get the job done. You know, we've seen huge games in those hitouts from players like Tom Lovell and Jesse Uren and those kind of guys who have to sort of win the game off their boot to keep them in the game. And I, I just think Montrose, you know, team offence and team defence is, is probably going to be too strong for but, the But that's again. the mantra of Gary Ayres. I mean, that always yeah. has been. I mean, Gary Ayres played in teams like that at Hawthorne where defence just won premierships. And that was under guys like Owen Jeans, Owen Joyce. And then, you know, Gary coached it himself. So when he was at Geelong, and then when he moved on to Adelaide, then when he moved back and coached Port Melbourne. So it's just in his DNA. So you, you play that defensive style, you play that offensive style, and this is just the way they set up. I mean, when you look at Mitchum too, you, you have to worry and say, well, they get, they get a lot of their scores through their midfield. They don't, mm. you know, they, they are very reliant on midfield. I mean, Lachlan's kicking some goals. Um, you know, he's kicked three last week and then he kicked a couple the week before and he gets in their best players regularly. But, and obviously we see, you know, the, the same guys, you know, Halo, the boys every week, they're in the they're in the best players and they kick some goals. Um, you know, Sher- Cher- Jesse Cherry as well. Same sort of stuff. But it's, we need, the big name forwards kicking goals. We need it doing. And that's probably a the bit issue. More, and no that's the big issue. This year. And Cowman this year, goes off overseas, overseas doesn't come back. and hasn't come back. So that has left a massive gap. Now, if Cowman was playing, playing this week, you'd say, "Well, gee, they're a massive chance. They're probably nearly in front in this game the way that you're going to pick it because they've got option other options to goal. But at the moment, they just don't have that luxury of those options. So, whereas Montrose can seem to cover that because they've got every area of the ground covered and then when they go forward they've got other options to go you know we know they've got Garthwaite they can find guys like Chaim on to get on the end of it I mean Schwab out of the team is also you know, you know someone that has been doing the job for them as well so they're not afraid to move move um, 
players around and they do have good depth and uh, they get the results for it. So I think Montrose will need to make sure, though, Dylan, that they play the whole four quarters out this time. Because what happened last time, you know, Mitchum came with a rush, got it back to extra time, and then, you know, then it's game on and it's a little bit of lady luck after that. Well, they've got so, to get ruthless, don't they, Dylan? Yeah. Once you you get that lead early, you've got to then bury Mitchum because you know they'll come. That's happened yep. two times in a row now. Yeah, yeah, and they've absolutely got to snuff that out. And, and from Mitchum's point of view, they've got to not start let Montrose. well. Just get get well, in front early. Well. You got you got to put start. the pressure on. Take your Montrose. chances. Take your chances. Yep, you, yep. Instead of kicking, and this is this we always say it. I always say to teams, don't tell me about kicking two goals six or three goals seven in the first half. Make it seven goals three. Make it seven goals two. Make it what? You know, kick six goals three in the first quarter. So put the score on the board and make it count because. You don't want it to come back and bite you at the end of the game. And that's the big thing with teams. They don't realise that. So that's where the four-quarter performance has to come in. You've got to sustain it over the whole game, not just for parts of it. The injury stuff does worry me a little bit, though, with Montrose. Like, when you see a worried Blake Tennant, <laughs> then then you do start to worry with Montrose. And he was very confident last week. He, he was very confident last week against South Belgrave, and who are you know, a fantastic team. But, yeah, I don't know. So if you've got too many of those key players going out of the team and, and they do play such a, you know, a game that revolves around team defence and, and creating those turnovers and stuff like that. They are, they're going to lose synergy there as well and, and how close the teams have been. You, Of all the games, this is the one that I think the, the most that could go either yeah. way, but I'm still going to, I'm going to stick with the system. I think the system of, of Gary Ayres wins and Montrose get it done by a couple of goals. And I, I think also with, Garthwaite has kicked eight goals the last two times he's played the Tigers. That's he's that, proved the difference. That mm. key difference. So I'm tipping Montrose, but again, as you, as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, we're, we're at um, Jubilee Park tomorrow and finding out that Mitchum have, have just snuck home or something like that. I think this is, um, if, you, if you're in the area, the Tigers uh, fans will be there this week because... Mitchum don't host on Saturday. They host on just a Sunday. So all the yellow and black will be there. Montrose have had great turnouts um, at Tormore in the final series already. So this will be a, a big afternoon. Tormore will be packed. Tipping a close one's probably the, the easy answer here, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm tipping Montrose by a goal. Yeah, look, I'm sort of looking at this as a close one as well. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it actually even goes to an ex- another extra time. Who, who would oh, absolutely know? He, he said know? it last yeah, time. We laughed at him. But, uh, and, or even, uh, <laughs> even could go even deeper than that. But uh, <laughs> we won't even take up. our minds there. But, look, I mean, look, I just think it, you wouldn't be surprised throughout the course of the day if Mitchum are in front and yep. Montrose have to fight their way through this and then somehow just find a way... To, to get over the line. And this is what brings the best out of teams in preliminary final week. Sometimes it's not the it's not the way uh, and not the margin that you win by. It's just getting over the line, grinding the game out and just finding a way to win and getting yourself into a grand final. And we see it time and time again and you just have to you just have to get there. It doesn't matter whether you get there by one point or two points or twenty two points. You just gotta find a way to get there and be in front at the final siren and I think that's what Montrose will do. I think they'll be pushed every step of the way once again by this uh, tenacious, determined Mitchum team. 
but in the end, I just think Montrose will just be a fraction, uh, you know, better in a couple of areas, you know, defensively through the midfield, and just a little bit more, you know, polish up forward. And uh, the Tigers will just need to, you know, really find something a little bit extra. But I'll go with Montrose. I think they might just get over the line by uh, by an absolute skin of their teeth. But uh, I'll say a couple of points. That game happening tomorrow at Tormore Reserve. Uh, we'll come back to touch on the Division 2 prelim between Templestowe and Heathmont after a short break. Got a bit to say to David Lager. He must have just stepped off his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's, he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but it struck it pretty that's nicely. Right. Two in a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double Cobra. That's the first one of 2021. Welcome back to the Eastland Weekend Forecast. We're going to jump into Division 2 now. The preliminary final between Templestowe and Heathmont. Baronia are currently waiting for the winner of this game. Templestowe bring in Zukovic, Harding, Nagel back in the side and Cantwell. Out comes Hardwick and Batsanis. I don't know if that Batsanis thing is the hamstring playing up again. I'm not too sure. I haven't heard from that. Um, obviously, he played last week, his first game for a while. Uh, so he'll be coaching on the sidelines tomorrow afternoon or Sunday afternoon as Heathmont Pearson comes back in alongside Belize. Now, I want to touch on Heathmont first because I think they've been one of the most impressive sides in the final series from the expectations that we had coming into the, the finals. They're, they're probably the back half of the season had been um, a little lacklustre. I know they've had some outs here and there and has probably played a, a bit of a factor in that. But another big win on the weekend and they scored big. They had 35 scoring shots, hit the 120-point mark had 56 to zip at quarter time against the Waverley Blues. And to see Finn Brown pop up and kick five goals, that's massive. Um, he's missed a lot of footy over the last couple of years. So looks like he's up and firing. Stevens has been a, um, a really solid all season. He kicked another three goals. And they had a, a well wide range of, of goal kickers on the weekend, Dylan. So um, we, we knew how good of a side defensively they, defensively they were, but they've been able to prove in the last two weeks that um, they can score as well as anyone. Yeah, I didn't really think they had that sort of an offensive game in them. Like you said, we, we've seen the defensive stuff all year, but I guess both of these teams in Templestowe and Heathmont, they both sort of had strange years where they they came out of the blocks really hard. They were sort of up in that top four, and then they both had sort of some weird things happen. Heathmont dropped off late in the season. We know what happened with Templestowe and the coaching stuff, and now they've both smacked the Waverley Blues in consecutive weeks of the finals, and it's now it's even, again, hard to get a read on how impressive that performance was because they've sort of both done it um, in a row. But I think we've seen Templestowe this season beat up teams around the ball a lot. And even when these two teams played in the match of the round, we saw those bigger bodies like Fogarty and, <coughs> and Giovanini. They really got on top in that stoppage work. And I think this poses to the player of um, Mullinger McHugh that if he can have a really big influence on this game and get that ball away from the inside of the, the Fogarty's and the Giovannini's and get it out of Michener's grasp in the ruck, if he can get that ball outside the general stoppage zone, Heathmont are going to have that extra speed on the outside. And then you look at their forward line now with the ins that you just said, you know, guys like um, Bailey Stevens, Colombo, Finn Brown, all of those guys, all of a sudden their forward line 
Looks a lot more threatening than when we saw him early in the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a, a team that, that couldn't really score, that just looks a lot more interesting and a lot more unpredictable than, say, a forward line of, of Dean Limbach, Alex Brown, and, and maybe a Michener pushing forward. So I think they've got a lot of X factor in their Heathmont for this game. And I think it will be all about can those midfielders, can those smaller bodies of Heathmont use the pace and, and get them on the outside? Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge, I think, Dylan. I mean, when you, when you consider the way what happened last week, I mean, I saw the first 10 minutes of uh, the way we was in the Heathmont game before I headed up to the other game. And I was just amazed with the way that their clearance worked. They just won every clearance. It was just... And they're not, they're not a clearance team. No, and it just was like, it was like a clinic. It was, and it was, I was then thinking, hang on, is this what we spoke about? the previous week, and it was, because they just went to town on it. They obviously examined what had happened against uh, uh, Templestowe, with Templestowe and the Waverley Blues. They'd really studied it, and then they applied the same principles themselves. So you got to say to Heathmont, well, well done, and they were able to do it against the Waverley Blues. Now can they do it against Templestowe? And can they shut down and put the clamps on Templestowe and, and give them less of the ball and, and get the ball on the outside themselves and continue on the way that they play? I mean, the challenge for Templestowe will be, after last week, they played against some bigger bodies in Baronia. We know that. So Baronia are a lot bigger team. They're a lot more physical. Uh, they've got a lot more of a harder edge on on them, so Templestowe would have got a, you know, they would have come away from that game thinking, okay, we've got a little bit of work to do to be at the same level of that. They still get another opportunity to play Heathmont to potentially go back and have another crack. But what they've got to work out this time is how are they going to score? They've got to. So obviously, you know, they scored well against uh, you know the Waverley Boys the previous week, and then obviously last week. The system broke down. So this week, it's got to get back to that unpredictability, you know, trying to get other players involved in that forward line set up. Like uh, Nick Batsana spoke to us in pre-game the other week, you know, moving other players forward, you know, around the ball and getting that ball in and not just being solely reliant on Dean back to, uh, to do all the work because he... If he's got a couple of players hanging off him, it's going to make it really hard work for them. But uh, I still have the confidence in Templestowe from a defensive point of view that they are stable enough to get the, to uh, to hold up in, in a defensive mindset. I think their system's been pretty good. Uh, yes, last week they can, you know, they can they conceded against Baronia, but we know that sort of forward line that Baronia have, and they, they've been scoring big every week. So, But for me, I, I just think the way that they've uh, been using the corridor, Templestowe, particularly um, against these sides, I, I think they can really challenge uh, Heathmont. Heathmont need to be able to get this ball on the outside and get it, get the ball moving, uh, keep it away from uh, the inside part of Templestowe's strength, and then uh, it's certainly going to be game on. But for me, I think if Templestowe can get the game on their terms early and uh, get some scoreboard pressure on Heathmont, then I think this is right on uh, game on. I think this is going to be a very close game. I've just got a bit of a feel in this one. 
on a small ground, bit of a coliseum approach with, uh, you know, Walker Park, uh, these sort of games, and Heathmont don't mind the close games in finals, particularly at Walker Park over historically. Uh, I know Templestowe will be thinking if, uh, you know, this gets a little bit tight, they might get, they might get a bit nervous, but I, I think this one will go down to the wire. But I think Templestowe, just with some bigger bodies, uh, might be able to uh, to get over the line in this one, and uh, I think they might be able to uh, use their physical name uh, and really dictate the play. I think Michener holds the key to this game against, uh, you know, I think uh, McHugh Mullinger, Mullinger McHugh. I think yeah. he, if he it's can a get... fascinating battle. Yeah, if he it? can get, uh, you know, this ruck draw on his terms, then I, I think he really swings it, uh, you know, in his team's way. But uh, it, it promises to be a, a fascinating contest. And I think if you're looking for something to do on Sunday uh, and you're in that Mitchum era, then yeah, get down I'd, and watch I'd, it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's... I mean, it's a good point because Mitchum has probably been Arguably the best ruckman in the the division this season. He has oh, a case for far, it. I think. Um, and then Marlon Jimmy Hugh has has probably had a injury impact his second half of the season at times. And when we saw him, he was he was not a hundred percent, and he ended up coming out of the side the week after. Well, that's the thing. And every time we've seen Templestowe play, those that midfield just bludgeons the other team to death. Yeah, really, Fogarty. Uh, yeah. you know, strong body, lots of finals Huge. experience. You know, Giovanini, you know, we know his ability. You know, we know that Brown's got it. We know Nagel can, can play. They have got names. Jessup's been playing some yeah. really good football. So the names are there. They're in front of us. It's whether they can put it together on the day and they can once again show uh, from the outset in a game that they can provide you know, their forwards with uh, with. Good delivery, good setup, and good mindset, and and put the pressure on the Jets uh, defensively. If, if the Jets can leak goals, yeah. If if and McHugh can have a huge influence on this game, if he's able to use that athleticism that, that we know he has to, firstly, if he can win those hitouts and actually get it to the outside for those those speedier guys for Heathmont, I think that's an area they can really exploit them. And another thing that he can do is give Mitchin the runaround because Mitchin's you know, he's not the quickest bloke and his yeah. running ability is not the best compared to a, a, a pretty good athlete in Mullinger McHugh so if he can push forward and also hit the scoreboard as well all of a sudden Heathmont have this such a dynamic um, you know, free-flowing forward line. Yeah, I, I think Heathmont look a lot more dangerous up forward and Templestowe still they're going to rely on their midfielders to hit the um, scoreboard and they're going to have to play a role in that and they have throughout the season if you look at their their top leading goal scorers Limbach's had four touches in two games in the final series I, I wouldn't be counting on him to, no. to have a big game and we saw him when they beat the Waverley Blues it was you know the lights of Melitus and um, uh, Ioannidis, Ioannidis yeah. were, were big. They're, they're, I mean, well, they they're don't smaller know the big guys. From Ioannidis, yeah. but, and they hit the scoreboard and they do it quite well. So th- those are the guys you probably look at a bit more. I think I, th- I think just Limbach, the I mean. He, he had, did have that great game against Heathmont early in the season, but you, you, uh, with the way he's going at the moment, you can't rely on him to probably win it for you. So you've got to find your, your scores elsewhere. He's a good goal kicker, but he's just not touching the footy enough. No. And if you're not having, you know, if you're only having five touches and you're not actually hitting the scoreboard, then... Then, yeah, you're, n- you're probably not having that impact on, on the game. And th- that's a different... Pearson's a very interesting game because I think from memory when we went down to Heathmont, he was one of the players that they were talking about that were really keen on trying to get back in the side. He's not played since round two. That's a long time uh, ago now. So I don't know what his fitness is coming into this game or not, but that's sort of a, a big move if it works out well. And I actually think if Heathmont win, they are the more the more dangerous side to beat Barone I was about yeah, to ask that question week. who do you think Spider of these two teams regardless of the tip Ooh. for this match 
who who well, can beat Baronia? You, you'd think that you'd think that Baroni would probably prefer to play Templestowe, but mm. uh, on the ba- on what we're discussing, you'd say yeah, you wouldn't. You know, Heathmont would probably provide them with more outside running game, whereas the, the Templestowe, what we saw last week, I think Baroni would be very satisfied to play a team like Templestowe in a grand final situation, but uh, they probably wouldn't uh, be as uh, Comfortable playing a, a Heathmont uh, in in the circumstances you wouldn't have thought. No, I think that's a bit more of a wild card for them. I think they match up really well against Templestowe, and and their yep. back line will pretty much shut down their their um their smaller forwards as well. So it'll be interesting. I'm actually leaning towards Heathmont, and I've gone against him the last couple of times. I didn't have the faith in him, so I'm going to back him in this time. I'm uh, on the Jets train, so I, I think they'll get over the line in, in a close one though. But again, this is the sort of game I I think either side could blow it blow it out um, depending if they get their game going but I'll I'll tip Heathmont yeah and again I've said that we've watched Templestowe and they bludgeon teams in the midfield and they might just do it again because Heath it is an area where Heathmont have struggled but I do like the Jets I like those ins and I like the unpredictability about the way they play and I think as you know you both covered pretty well there I think Baronia at least prefer to play them and I'll tip them I think they're still going to keep it with their their defensive profile. They're still going to keep it that that low scoring game. So I don't think they're going to win it by fifty or sixty points or anything crazy like that. But it'll be a um, you know a two or three goal margin to Heathmont. I'll go for Templestowe. Just think they might get control through the midfield if they can eliminate that outside run and get ownership of the corridor. The contested ball. We know that they've done it before and. They've got some very good players going through that midfield, a lot of key experience. So I just think that they might be able to get the job done. I think they might get over the line by about 10, 10 to 12 points. I think they'll get over the line in a pretty tight affair. I think this might go down to the wire. I think these two teams, not much between them. Can't see it being a blowout. Just think that uh, it'll be a bit of an arm wrestle uh, either way. And uh, I think this might be one of the, the games of the final series. But uh, I think Templestowe will proceed to the to the grand final. Very much looking for that game on the Sunday out at Walker Park. Let's jump into the two grand finals now. We'll start with Division 3, the Donvale versus Ferntree Gully contest uh, in for Donvale this week. Matt Liardi, that's a big inclusion, as well as... Charlie Kent and then Hanley and Lambert come out of the side but I'm pretty sure they both go into the reserves grand final as well so they've still got big afternoons. So Fentrick Gully Harvey and Bull back in. Kieran Gray rubbed out at Tribunal this weekend. He's out of the side. There is an appeal coming tonight so we'll sort of find out the result on that one shortly but uh, at the moment they're planning that uh, afternoon without him and it's it's already tough because Donvale are pretty much at full strength. I can't think of too many notable names that are not in the side um they're in incredible form they're high scoring side can't remember the last time they kicked less than i think the last time they played Fentry gully in the season they kicked less than 100 but other than that they've they've hit the 100 point mark pretty much every week it's a really solid lineup they did the job against Fentry gully a couple of weeks ago dylan you were actually at the club last night what just sort of take from the, the few people that you did speak to and, and the feeling around Donvale, and then we'll touch on Future Gully as well because you were, um, did the rounds yesterday. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I think they're an absolute machine of a team. Like, statistically, they're first for inside 50s, they're first for clearances, they're first for scoring from inside 50s, they're first from scoring from turnover, they're first at scoring from clearance. They're just clearly the best team in this division. 
I think that players, talking to them last night, they're really wary about what happened last year and what they actually did to Waverley Blues as being that favourite side going into a grand final and how you can get snuck up on, even though Waverley Blues did win the game in the end. But mm. Donvale only going down by two points. They're very wary of that with Ferntree Gully coming in as the big underdogs. But I just don't see how there's any aspect of the game where Ferntree Gully can, can get at Donvale here. They've just been so impressive in, in every area of the ground, whether it's offensively, whether it's defensively, clearance, whatever. They're just so much better. And I, I probably even even looking through some of the numbers, I don't even think Ferntree Gully are the second best side in this division. I think if we're you know looking at it from a statistical point of view, I think the side that was coming through at the end that probably could have pushed Donvale the most in this division was actually a, a fair park. But just their their slow start to the season, and a bit of inconsistency, in, inconsistency and and slow start really hurt them. And they they probably had some of the tools to do it. And I I just unless this game you know a massive storm comes and it gets rained out or something like that. <laughs> it's, I, it's sunny conditions. It's, I've uh, had a look. Yeah, yeah. I know it's um, a bit doomsday for Ferntree Gully from from my end here. But I just think it's a bit of a slam dunk for for Donvale this one. Yeah, look, I just think when you look at the whole season, Donvale have uh, really taken all before them. They've been clearly the best side. That doesn't mean a lot when it comes to grand final day because it's on the day. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Furniture Gully were just, you know, well and truly beat. And in that second semi final, we know that you can turn the tables around, as we alluded to earlier in some of our other discussions. But it is just hard to see where Furniture Gully can have the upper hand on this Donvale team because in every area of the ground, you just say, well, hang on, Donvale from a defensive point of view, rock solid. Midfield, they bat extremely deep. And then from a forward line setup, they just score and they score big. So, and they've got just tremendous depth. I mean, it's it's a very hard call for Kevin Collins to, you know, have to tap a couple of blokes on the shoulder and say, look, I'm sorry that, you're not going to play in the senior grand final. You're going to have to play in the reserves. And that's the tough thing about footy. It's not an easy decision. Um, you know, and they've, they've had a, a fantastic year. They've got such a great midfield. Um, you know, guys like Brewer, you know, you know, who have led from the front right from the outset, you know, right from round one. You know, when they they had that really big game against uh, you know, Warren Dyne at the start of the season. Um, yeah, there's just been so many big moments for them and they just keep knocking them over one by one. And I think just for Donvale, they are, you know, really setting themselves for another big afternoon. And uh, look, I think if Furniture Gully start the game well and positive and can get some momentum, you know, and be in the game at halftime, well, they're a chance. And if they, and if Donvale are slightly off, well, you know, alarm bells, some alarm bells might ring. But you'd have to say, this is the way that Donvale have been playing in recent times, that, that you know, the, the way that they've been playing, it's going to be very hard to, uh, you know, to knock this team off. And, uh, you know, if they win this premiership, then you're going to have to hand it, you know, the, you know, then you're going to have to really beat them. But uh, Donvale, for me, will win the before, game. Before we get, because we'll do tips in our best on just shortly, but we've, we've talked a lot about Donvale and, you know, so we should because they've been the best side this season. And, I mean, scoring power, you look at the top five of all in their, their goal-kicking list, they've all kicked over 20 goals. Uh, multiple players have kicked five or more in different occasions this season. So we know they can score defensively well set up. Midfield, James Rouse has had another oh, has phenomenal fantastic. season. He's, his last two years have been yeah. incredible. And, you know, we can go back to his grand final heroics that almost got him across the line last year. But let's let's touch a bit on Ferntree Gully because 
they're an interesting one. I think throughout the season, we've always looked at they were going to get there and, and make a grand final with Donval. Um, and they've had that top two spot locked up in the season halfway through. And um, at their best, they were able to challenge Donval. They actually knocked them off the first time. You take away Kennedy, you take away McComb for parts of the season, still carrying that, I'm, I'm assuming, carrying a, a bit of an injury still, maybe, potentially. Um and then you've had others who have come in out at the side in in last few weeks, so they haven't been as settled as Donval. So it's it's a big achievement for them to to get to today, uh, to tomorrow, to the grand final day. Can you? I mean, where do they? Where do we make a case for them? Because we saw last week or two weeks ago they were very competitive in that first half. It was a very close um, first half. I think they had more scoring shots, but went in at halftime behind, and then they just seemed to um, just get absolutely overrun and didn't have any impact in the second half. Uh, that's my worry, is that Donval flick a switch and, and they're off. It, it's got to be, if, if you, you get those chances early, you're going to have to take every single one, Dylan. Yeah, and we saw against Oakley last week, they were challenged heavily at the start of that game and you know credit to them for, for being able to bounce back. And they're, all the things I've said about them and, and their profile and all that kind of thing not being up to the, the standard of Donval, it's, it's more about what Donval have done not about what Fern mm. Tree Gully are. There's, there's sort of a handful of sides that you can't match it with Donvale. But I don't know, you, you try to look for little ins. Like you go back through to that round three game that they won and you look at the, the statistics and, and it still looked like a bit of a Donvale game. It's just you had Lockie Kennedy have that huge dominant performance. Yeah, it was a big it, one, wasn't it? It was. It was like, you know, 30 touches, two goals, six goal mm. involvement. McComb had 33 and 19 contested in that game as well. So... It's just hard to find an in for them. And, and even in the games that they've lost against Donvale, the one that we went out to, that match of the day, that was was really windy there. I think Fentree Gully only kicked 10 goals too, and Donvale kicked about um, you know 12 goals 20 or something like that that day. So they just generate so many opportunity. And then you know they've got those those players that like we've talked about, like Murphy and those goal kickers, and Rouser comes up forward as well, and he's really dynamic. And yeah, I, I, I just can't see a world in where you could... You could tip them and unless... The, the only position on the ground I think that they have a, an actual advantage is in the ruck. Okay. So if we if we want to start there... With DSEO and, and right, they yeah. can move them around. Yeah, they'll win the hitouts. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who plays more time in the ruck. I know when we saw them, I think it was more Braden and right that did, but I don't even... Actually, DSEO didn't play that game, so that would be part of the reason. So to have both of them in is certainly key for them. Um, and then you, you're relying on someone like McComb to, to put the side on, on his shoulders. Kiker's had a really good season, Ethan Kiker. Well, that's been one of the things with the players that they have lost, at least. They've been able to give a Kiker a huge amount of opportunity in that midfield. He's been, and he's he's, been massive. Yeah, and he, he's turned into an elite midfielder in this division. And then you, you look up forward as well. Flannery's had a, a really good season too. He's um, developed as the year gone by. I'm still as well. I'm. It, it's hard to to not tip against Donval. We've actually put up something on the stories today, so we've got a bit of fan interaction this week on who people think for this grand final. At the current moment, we've had 342 votes for Donval, 176 for Fentry Gully, so 66 to 34 percent. Um, and I think that's probably it's probably probably right. what we're yeah probably fair what we what we expected. So for me. If it's close at half time, maybe the doubts start to creep in potentially that um, if Donvale have missed some opportunities, maybe haven't put them away early as Waverley Blues didn't do to them last year, we could be in for a close contest. Do, do you guys think the grand final last year helps or hinders Donvale? Does it, 
you know, is there that worry that we could lose two grand finals in a row or does it give you a lesson? Uh, you can play both. I mean, reality is you always think back and go, look, you don't want that feeling ever again. So you take that and go, look, we don't want to experience that heartbreak again. So there's the motivation and inspiration that let's just take that next step. But there is a – you can have that little mindset, Joe, we we blew that opportunity last year. We don't want to blow it again. You know, so your mind can do funny things with it. So – You've got to be a bit more realistic and just, I think you've got to approach it in a manner that you that you definitely don't want to go back to that situation again, that you wanna you know, it's a new game, you wanna be you wanna be the one that's holding the cup up at the end of the day, but you've got to start well. You can't be chasing the game and you've got to, it's gotta be a four quarter effort. You, for the whole game, mm. it's gotta be hundred and twenty minutes. It can't be you know, there can't be little bits in the game where you don't have control or where you have little times where you you you're out of the game and um, you know you'll let that dominance drop. So I think for Kevin Collins, he's he's well experienced in coaching and, and particularly in grand finals to ha- to be right on this. He'll be he'll be motivating his players. He'll be you know demanding that 120 minutes of footy and he'll be telling his players that they have a chance to create history for that footy club. There's an opportunity. Yes, there's no there's no promotion, but you still have the Opportunity to write yourself into Donvar yep. Football Club history, and that's and that's the way that he, he's got to look at it because that football club is a very proud club. They were shattered last year when they when they lost it. That was one in their eyes that probably got away, and they want to probably write the wrongs from last year. So for them, it's a it's a big moment in their club's history to to get on the right side of the ledger, and if they can do that, then I think they'll be pretty satisfied. By yeah. the end of the day, yeah, I think it's it, it's a mental thing. Depends how you you yep. want to go into it with a um, feelings and thoughts. And we've seen in history where it's worked for sides, and they've they've had that in the back of their mind, and they've come out and, and won a close one in the backup, or and they've done the opposite, and and it's crept in. And uh, like we've we've seen both, and that's local footy from you know even a Ringwood in recent years to to the AFL to NF. I mean, my Buffalo Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row, so um, in the nineties. So it, it doesn't always work out that way, but it it really does. It, it becomes a mental thing because I think their their best is obviously good enough. So um, we'll, we'll see how it sort of plays out. Yeah, you don't want to take that trepidation in. You want to take no. that position that. We want to win this one, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. Uh, and sure, Ferntree Gully are on underdogs. No one's expecting them to do anything in this game, but you still have the respect of your opponent because they're going to come. There's going to be a mo- there's going to be Absolutely. times in the game where Ferntree Gully are going to say this is our chance to take it up to them, and that's when good teams step it up and uh, and put the game away, and they'll they'll have to prove why they are the best team in that division for 2023, and that's why I think. This game will be close up until half time, and then I think they push the button, mm. and then they will motor away in the second half. And uh, I think around about the seven to eight goal margin for me. So yeah, your so Donval margin Donvale. and your best on as well. Donval to win the premiership by seven to eight goals for me. I'll say forty-seven points, and my best player on the ground, Mitch Brewer. Yep. The way that he like plays, uh, twelve times in the best players this year. 
the way that he goes about his footy through the midfield there. You know, he accumulates so many possessions, just has so much positive influence on the game. Uh, he, he's been a damaging player all season for them. Uh, and when he's aggressive and he's attacking and the way that he goes about his footy, I think he's going to be one of those leaders that are going to really step up in some of the big moments uh, in the afternoon and, and pull his side over the line. I'm going to go with Don Vale, 31 points. And I'm going to say James Rouser for, for the medal. Is that yours? Yeah, <laughs> that one. I, and I was pretty much going to go the same. I, I had Don Vale by 30. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I, I think Rouser because I think they will be challenged and he will be the, the first one to step up and raise the yep. flag. He plays that aggressive position yep. too, right? So he's going to be in the midfield. He's going to be around he's the ball. Be, yeah. He'll push forward. He might kick a couple yep. of goals. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll have a big impact. And last year, if they had a one, 100% he would have won the medal. So um, I, I just think he's meant for this stage. And Redemption. He's, he's Yeah, it's raring to go. He, he wants his flag for the club. Let's jump into the other grand final this weekend on the Sunday. Division 4 grand final between Kilsyth and Surrey Park. Again, 1v2, and they both met in that first semi-final where Kilsyth got across the line by 12 points. They're in here. Bailey Ray and Zakes come in as for Surrey Park. McLaren comes in for Bennett. Um, having a look at the last time they played, Surrey Park actually led quite um, quite a bit in that game for that first half. And then it was really, I think, that third quarter where, uh, from memory, Kilsyth sort of started to get on top of the contest. Conditions were a bit different that day um, compared to what they will be on the weekend. Clean deck, which I think Surrey will prefer. Um Kilsyth certainly have those bigger bodies and, and mm. probably prefer the the, um, the the tougher conditions as we saw early in the season where um, we had all four seasons in a day out at Surrey Park and um, they really got on top in the midfield with their bigger bodies and it's certainly going to be an interesting contest come Sunday. Dylan, I'll, I'll start with you and just your initial thoughts. We saw Surrey Park last week. I didn't think they were overly convincing. I thought Scoresby really pushed them hard and I sort of walked away and I I, I can see where they can get him and, and certainly can and, and uh, he's just an excitement machine, machine yeah, up forward awesome. and he I love that whether he kicks a goal or not once he ta- has his set shot he will go straight to the crowd yeah. to, to get something going and loves the interactions. Paolini I thought was uh, a big difference because we didn't see him earlier this uh, this year when we watched him play against Kilsyth. Um and bringing back Tom Smith into the side is is massive in recent weeks. Uh, Kennedy as well coming back in. I, I think they're, they're. I don't know. I just. I, I'm a bit worried for him. I, I think if Kilsyth get on top and, um, like I don't think they'll get blown out. But I'm just a little bit concerned for him. I think there's shades of the Templestowe Heathmont match up here with like Kilsyth being the Templestowe with the bigger bodies. Surrey Park having that. A little bit better sort of transition game perhaps than, than Kilsyth, but I just think you mentioned Khan there, who he'll be a handful forward, as will Paolini, but I just don't think they quite have the inside midfielders to really match it with Kilsyth. And we saw against Scoresby last week, they were great on that transition game and that, that just created them enough opportunities to get it down to the likes of, of Can and he was able to sort of do his thing. But in in this matchup against Kilsyth, I just think that bigger body power this time sort of overrides the the leg speed mm. and the, the transition game of Surrey Park. Whereas in the Heathmont game, I think the the legs and the transition will, will override the power. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting comment. I mean, to when you look at it, I mean, I've got the... I think with Kilsyth, 
their defence is really tight. Yeah. I think they defend really well. They're, and that inside run is going to be really important. The physical bodies, the hard-working way that they play. And then there's that forward line that's uh, got that physical presence about them. Might just have a little bit too much for Surrey Park. I, I think you know the way that they move the ball... Uh, Surrey Park, they love the ball transition and they're they're quick and they, they'll, they'll need to be precise. But I think on the turnover, that's where they might pay the ultimate price if they're not absolutely careful with what they do by hand or foot. So uh, I think that's where the game will be ultimately won and lost. And, and I think the one thing for Surrey Park is if they burst out of the gates, can they get far enough in front to be able to defend a lead when defence is really important late in the game because at some time, Kilsyth will be coming after them again. But if it's on the other side and Kilsyth get out to the big start, are Surrey Park going to have the legs? Are they going to be the side that's going to be able to motor home and get over the line? Or are Kilsyth going to be able to prove with their bigger bodies uh, the way that they play that they can be you know, physically you know, difficult and disciplined and determined enough to, to hold up when it gets really tough? Because I think this game will go down to the absolute wire. I, I can't see this being a blowout. I think this is going to, as we alluded to, I think this is going to be a you know, one to two goal away either way. And, you know, it's just... Can they stop a guy like Goodenson, uh, Sari Park? Can they, you know, he's the one that they need to be able to stop up for. If the ball's going up in full flight in the big moment, are they going to be able to get the numbers back and uh, and really crowd him enough? And then are they going to be able to, uh, you know, be able to break off themselves to be able to score, you know, on the rebound? And so there's some challenges there for, for both sides. Uh, you know, look, McNay's been... Fantastic this season for for Kilsyth. He's been uh, really important, Ryan, across the, yeah, the whole whole season. Uh, they got some, you know, they got some quality players uh, right across the board, and I think they're going to be a, a real tough team to beat. I think they're going to really prove why uh, they have been uh, that top side. And Surrey Park, they've had their moments just throughout the year where they've had those little drop offs. So the challenge for them is to try and put that four quarter performance together. We we heard in the post game interviews last week how they're so determined to put everything on the line. And, and finally get over the line and get themselves a premiership in the Eastern Football Netball League. They haven't been able to do it. They've you know, had opportunities in the past, but have fallen short. So this is the moment for them if they're good enough and if they're willing to do the hard things well. But also for Kilsyth, they've been waiting just as long. 28 Probably years 28 or years. Yeah, they've been waiting. Time you know, so, and, and they've been, you know, they've been starved of success themselves. So it's it's going to be a, a mouth-watering affair, you would say, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So for me, I'm probably leaning towards Kilsyth in an absolute classic. And uh, for me, the best player, I'm going to go with Ryan McNay. Yeah, well, we'll t- I was going I've to give you <laughs> you've gone a little bit early. Bit early but so that, I, I okay. like I like the pick, and he was certainly one of my options. May have been mine as well. I'll think of it as someone else. But um, Goodenson's an interesting one because he's he's had a massive year, but I think on every occasion he's played against Surrey, 
uh, Dylan. He hasn't kicked more than a goal against them. So they do find some other targets. Uh, Curry was really good, um, was able to hit the scoreboard last time we saw him. That tends to happen in those top-of-the-table clashes too, mm. yeah. doesn't it? Where if there's one, you know, and it might happen to Can as well for Surrey Park, yeah. where you're just able to snuff out that really dangerous forward and you put all the time into him. but Someone else pops up. And ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think in this game, though, Kilsyth, they're just going to have that one wood of just being able to bring it back to the, the centre clearance. And they're going to have those those big bodies and that dominance around there. They're going to get it in quick. And they like Surrey Park, they they look a small team. Yeah. Across the ground, and I think being able to get it in quick from that stoppage, and, and just hit up a you know a tall target in there is going to be too, it's going to be the thing that they can just go back to continuously, other than um, you know having to chase the game or anything like that. So, for me, it's Kilsyth. Yeah, we we know who um, who's missing today. Who, gonna who we would be tipping, um, and that's why he's not here today. He's that nervous. He's <laughs> made himself physically sick <laughs> that he can't actually come in today to um, preview the game. But they're an interesting club, sorry, Park, because they've they've had such a, a tough history, as you, you said, Spider. And it's been fantastic to see him up and about in recent years. Um, and like Don Val, they get their shot at redemption, being there last year. And what was another close grand final too? They led at half time actually, um, and then fell away just late in that game. But a really close one. But in, unlike Don Val, I think they come in as the underdogs, and they sort of came in the underdogs last year as well to a, a Sylvan side that were pretty pretty strong. So you don't want to keep losing them either, though, do you? No, you don't. And. That's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, they've got such a good under-19s program. A junior program is really successful. And they w- they need to climb the divisions because if you do lose... if you, Sorry, if you do stay in Division 4, you know, year after year, a lot of those guys, once they get to that level, are picked off by clubs in higher, higher grades. And in the local geographical area. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've certainly eventually got to take your chance and move up because I think... And I think Kilsyth as well. I think both sides, if they do go up, they have the potential to stay up and then build on from that where uh, I think if other clubs, you know, potentially could falter and eventually make their way down. I think Surrey Park get up, they'll they'll stay up. Um, but looking at this one, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm tipping Kilsyth. I'm going to tip them by 10 points. I think this will be um, really close. Oh, I think this will be one to um, keep your eye on. I was going to go McNay as well. I'll go Wycard just because he's had a fantastic season, and I, I think I was going to say him as well. Yeah, I well, I, th- yeah. I, I think well, I just have a feeling that their best couple of players might be the the ultimate difference. Yeah, you, you think so? It's it's one of those games. Some of those big name players for Kilsworth are stepping up uh, right when it matters. But look for Surrey Park. It's, uh, it's a massive opportunity for them, and if they're you know if they're there. When it when it's uh, there to be won, then they'll certainly get an opportunity. But you know, it's uh, gonna it's always a tough on grand final day. There's mm-hmm. only going to be one winner, and if they if they seize the moment, then it'll be a great moment for their club and you know to step up. But uh, you know, I think this uh, we've, we've sort of discussed the kill soft element of it. But yeah, it'd be it'd be great to see if we could uh, get a couple of real close grand finals, and uh, I think that'll be a fitting finale for the season for those clubs. And we'll we'll soon learn whether those grand finals. Grand finalists from last year in Don Vale and Surrey Park, if that does help them or, or hinder them as well. Yeah, 100%. There's going to be a lot to talk about after the weekend. If you want to catch all that action live this weekend on our Facebook, YouTube streams, the senior grand finals, as we've talked about today, will be on Radio Eastern 98.1 FM from 1.15pm on both days. 
as well as our streams and then our reserves grand finals, our under 19 grand finals are all on YouTube this weekend. So if you're looking for some footy to watch, you've certainly got plenty to look forward to. So that's it for us for the Friday podcast deal. First in, uh, first time in the, uh, the studio, a bit of a Marlon Pickett style debut and certainly performed as well as Pickett. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, no, just, um, yeah, really. Thanks for having me on guys. I really, really appreciate the opportunity and had a ball as always. And, Doing a bit of boundary riding this weekend, doing a bit of specials for the game, so really looking forward to that as well, and, and yeah, just can't wait to get deeper into this finals footy. Absolutely, and Matt Spiderly, as always, and you'll be there on Sunday. Sunday, and I'll be uh, floating around the grounds tomorrow uh, at a couple of the grounds as well, so I'm looking forward to a full weekend of uh, Eastern Football Netball League finals. Uh, can't wait. Should be a promising weekend and exciting. Let's hope there's some... Uh, classic matches uh, at the beckoning for everyone but let's hope everyone enjoys their local footy and get out there and support it because uh, there's plenty on offer certainly right Uh, thanks for coming in today thanks for listening as always we always do appreciate it Uh, all the action coming to you live this weekend Facebook, YouTube Radio Eastern 90.1 FM we'll see you then to his left, goes long, inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50, they've got to try and get their hands on this Finn Brown, Finn Brown, brilliant, can he kick the goal, Finn Brown, he has!